Hey, y'all. You're listening to How I Got Here with Drina Whitfield, the podcast that dives deep into the unique journeys of some of the dopest entrepreneurs, business leaders, and personalities I know. I'm your host, Drina Whitfield. I created this podcast to have real, honest conversations about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Grab your notebook, sit back, relax, and catch these gems. Joining me today is Shelby Larkin, an Emmy-nominated television producer and entertainment executive with over 20 years of experience. Her production credits are non-scripted content, including syndicated programming, entertainment, lifestyle, red carpet events, and digital. Shelby has produced for Emmy Award-winning syndicated television shows, including Dr. Phil, Judge Mathis, Divorce Court, and others. She's also worked on major red carpet and live events such as the Oscars, Grammys, Billboard Music Awards, and the BET Awards. However, over the last six years, Shelby has been responsible for overseeing branded content opportunities for shows such as Ellen, TMZ, Extra, and The Real. Currently, Shelby is the Director of Global Partnership Development for the new SoFi Stadium in Hollywood Park, which was the site of the 2022 Super Bowl. Shelby, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for our conversation. Of course. So Shelby and I met over, I want to say... I don't know, maybe like four years ago, maybe. I think it was at Essence Fest, right? Oh, yeah. We had a little lunch. Yeah. When she was at The Real doing branded content and we just connected and stayed in touch since then. And we worked on a few partnership deals since then. So I'm really excited to share her story with you all today. But I'm always excited to ask my first question when I have a guest that appears to have such an intentional career. So Shelby, I want to ask you, when you were graduating high school, I want to take it all the way back. Mm -hmm. When you were graduating high school, what did you write in your yearbook when it said, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, wow. Look, I have to really dial it. (laughs) It's funny that you mentioned that because the first thing that popped in my head is that I was actually voted most likely to succeed. And I was like, oh gosh, the pressure. (laughs) And at that time, I had just started interning at the local CBS affiliate in Nashville, Tennessee, where I grew up. And so I worked for a daily show similar to like Kelly and Ryan. And so for me, from that experience, my senior year in high school, I thought, oh, if I could just become an associate producer, I have made it. So the bar was not that high um, at that time. So it's just so interesting. I always tell my kids, you know, the Dr. Seuss book, you know, oh, the places you will go. So it's like I end up becoming an associate producer by the age of like, I think, 23 or 24. So, I mean, clearly that's oh, wow. a lot of life since then. So. At that time, that was like my measurement of success. Oh, wow. Okay. At 23 or 24, you were an associate producer. I mean, that's like not an easy feat to kind of tackle though, right? No, it's it's not. And I mean, I will say like my journey has been very unexpected. Even though I worked, I started interning in television in high school when I went to undergrad, I went to Spelman College. Shout out to all my Spelmanites out there. <laughs> I was an economics major and I just knew I was going into, I was following that typical path, which I mean, it's not, I mean, let's be clear. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor, but I thought I saw myself working in finance, you know, working somewhere on Wall Street. I ended up doing a summer internship at a very prestigious Wall Street firm after my sophomore year at Spelman. 
And I got to tell you, I learned very quickly, this is not for me. It's good. <laughs> it looks good on paper. I was absolutely miserable, but I was very grateful that I learned early on in my collegiate career that that wasn't the path for me, even though so many others were, you know, kind of following that path. That's really the way we were encouraged to go at that time. But it allowed me to like get back to Spelman as a junior and regroup and really revisit my passion, which was television production. And that set me on my way. Right. I mean, I think I had a similar experience when I first went to college because I was a political science major. And I think I took my first couple poli-sci classes and I was like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. Mm-hmm. And it really made me like revisit what am I passionate about? So would you say that that moment that you you finished that internship and you went back to school in the fall, you were like, yeah, I need to really get back to the TV industry. Is, it, is there a defining moment when you knew this is what you wanted to do? And was that internship that moment for you? Sure. It's a great question. And for me, and because internships, and I know, you know, we talk about this, but it's so true. Like internships were the key for me mm-hmm. in terms of just getting access into some of these spaces and figuring out a lot of these roles that, you know, we weren't told about when, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, attorney, doctor, engineer that, you know, in yep. education, mm-hmm. like my, my, my mom's a retired educator. My dad was a, a, a doctor. So it was like, you know, those were the paths. So I wasn't really exposed to all the possibilities when it comes to entertainment. And so internships helped me to really understand all the opportunities growing up in Nashville But to answer your question, so for me, I was still kind of like I had my toe in entertainment. So the I guess I have to backtrack a little. So my sophomore year during the school year, so this was before I went to work on Wall Street for the summer, I was working for as an intern for a record label you may have heard of, So So Deaf Recordings. So I was (laughs) you may have heard of. Okay. (laughs) I was doing that while I was in school. So I was doing that at that time. I remember several of my classmates, you know, Spelmanites, we we get after it. And so I had, you know, other classmates that were interning at Def Jam. It was like Def Jam South. That's when Ludacris was blowing up. I was at So So Def. And so it was an internship that I would do, you know, on my days that I didn't have classes. And, and I loved it. But, you know, again, I was kind of feeling that pressure from whether, you know, I put that pressure on myself or I felt like my my family or just like what was expected of me, right? Was to mm-hmm. go in this on this path. Like how could I turn down this carved out path for me and, you know, finance and and going the more traditional route. But I would say the aha moment, this is gonna, this is a odd story, but when I was working at that Wall Street firm, I had another another Spellman classmate who I actually grew up with in Nashville, and she was working for a certain magazine, and they wanted to do a profile on me. So I just thought it was a really great, cool opportunity. I was, you know, needed to just miss my little internship for like two hours, and my naive self thought, oh, I can just go and explain to them, and they're going to understand, right? <laughs> because I'm that green and naive, and that was not the case. And I was basically (laughs) told they never let me live it down. I did the spread. I was like, whatever, I'm doing this. It came out. I was so happy. And at the end of the summer, at the end, like my review, I remember them saying, you know, you're you're more focused on being a 
a supermodel. You know, we didn't have terms like influencers mm. at the time. They're like, you're more concerned that, uh, about being a, a supermodel than, you know, being serious about financing your career. But interestingly enough, they still offered me an opportunity to return the following summer and even a scholarship. And I turned it down. That oh, did wow. not go over well. And I was actually very scared because it was just something that at that time you did not do, especially as a Black woman. Like how dare yeah. you tell this firm, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go over here and pursue what I'm passionate about. And I'll say that there were you know, women of color in the organization who were, you know, definitely champions for those of us who were interns. And they begged me not to make this decision that I was going to make it harder for those coming behind me. And I, and and I really went back and forth and I was like, I understand what you're saying. However, I cannot not be true to myself (laughs) because you want me to take this pressure on or this responsibility of how is this going to look for the person who comes behind me? I hope that the person who comes mm-hmm. behind me is just as courageous if it's not the right fit for them. Mm. So when I got back to Spelman, I was determined like, you know what? I've been there, done that. I'm going to be true to me. I went back to So So Deaf, ultimately decided I you know, started to just revisit my passions and decided that TV was really the way where I wanted to be within entertainment, love the music industry and have friends that stayed on that path. But for me, it was television. So at that time, by the time I was a senior at Spelman, I was able to uh, get an internship at CNN, um, which then led to an internship with ABC News in Atlanta, which ultimately after I graduated from Spelman, I was able to work for the ABC News headquarters in New York and started me on my way. Nice. But wait, let's take it back real quick because that had to take some like prayer, some like balls to just basically tell this organization like, thanks, but no thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to come back and intern, but also thanks for the opportunity to receive a scholarship. How did that go over with your family? To be honest, I never told them. <laughs> because I know my parents and that would not have gone over well. <laughs> I was fortunate. I already had an academic scholarship that that covered like okay. my tuition. So, you know, and then I was working, you know, um, so I was helping to cover my collegiate expenses. I mean, my parents certainly helped me, let's be clear. But so I just never told them, to be honest, because I know they would have thought you have lost your mind. For real. For real. But I mean, even at such a young age, I'm just amazed at like how you were just confident in that choice. I feel like a lot of Black women, and maybe not so much so now because like we're living in Black girl moment, magic moments now and everyone's like trying to go for self. But I feel like back then when we were probably in college, like opportunities like that were far and few. So for you to even be confident enough to say thanks, but no thanks, is just like amazing. Especially when there were elder Black women in the organization telling you like, don't mess this up for other people. No, it's true. Because I even think about, I think about it now and I don't think I would be that brave today. I think it was a part of mm-hmm. me being naive and young and not fully understanding the magnitude of, you know, the firm, this particular firm. Once I fast forward 
you know, when I went to business school and then saw all my classmates who, I mean, they honestly, they would have done anything to work for this organization. And I, and I just chuckled to myself. I'm like, if they only knew how I basically <laughs> told them to kick rocks, you know, so many years ago. But I mean, I think I'm not, and here's the thing, to be fully transparent for a while, like right after undergrad, I re- I regretted, I, I doubted the decision that I had made the right decision mm. because I, I will, you know, a couple of my classmates, they, they went forward with the organization. They took the scholarship, you know, they returned to their internships for, you know, another summer and then joined the organization after. Now, you know, mm. I, I, meanwhile, at that time, I'm making like $300 a week as a production mm-hmm. in, in Los Angeles and they're, you know, doing well. So it seems, but then again, keep on living and all of them, they were unhappy. Some of them made career switches. They all end up leaving that firm and, and all of them are in totally different fields today. That's the thing, right? Because the finance industry is like more of a stable, mm-hmm. like financial industry for like, if you're going to work in that space, the entertainment space, like you said, it looks sexy. It looks amazing. But like the pay isn't, doesn't match. I'm sure it wasn't, like you just said, it wasn't matching what your, your classmates were making. So of course I, I completely agree and understand with you regretting that decision. Mm-hmm. Cause I've been through it too, but like, let's talk about you going to college in Atlanta and like how that really impacted your career trajectory. Because I, I went to HBC, but I didn't go to Spelman Clark. What do you call that little area where it's like spell? The AUC. Uh, or yeah, okay. Look, give me together. It's <laughs> it's Spelman, it's Morehouse, and it's Clark all together, right? Yeah, and Morris Brown at that time. And Morris Brown, sorry. Mm-hmm. Going there, and you know, I actually was accepted to Clark, and I regret not going just because I of the career path that I went down in the industry that I'm in. And I know a lot of folks that went to Spelman and Clark and then had just amazing opportunities because of Atlanta was like the black entertainment hub Mm -hmm. and still is. Let's talk a little bit about how that impacted your career. Yeah, it's a great point because I was went to Atlanta from Nashville in fall of 1999 to start at Spelman. And so Atlanta was in, I feel like an interesting phase at that time because it was like, post Freaknik, you were just, you know, there, <laughs> there wasn't Tyler Perry yet. There was no Tyler Perry studios, if you can even imagine a time, you know, so you had like, it was to me at that time, it was more about like the music industry. You, it, there wasn't a ton of television production outside of news. There was some, but nothing like it is today. So it was like, I feel like we were there in a moment in time where things were just starting to kick off. You know, there was no Real Housewives of Atlanta, no love and hip hop, right? Reality TV Mm -hmm. was just starting to be a thing. I remember MTV coming to the AUC to cast for real world. I mean, that's how far back it goes. And so we just, to your point, being in Atlanta at that time and it being like this emerging mecca for Black creators, you just had so access because every network or, you know, tastemakers, they were coming to the city and they knew if they wanted to get a young demographic, they would lean into the AUC. So, you know, you had people coming to cast music videos. I remember they were casting for the Nelly video or, you know, it was just a lot. It was just like every day there was something mm-hmm. going on in the city, something cool, something fun, something that you had never even really thought about. Right. 
And so it was just like this, we were all, I feel like coming of age at the same time. So even though we're like on campus, you've got, you know, people who are in the music industry, like say Ludacris, or even if you're talking about Candy Burrs, who was already on and popping at that time, but still, you know, they're, they're on their way up as well. So as they're bringing the city up, we're there at the same time. And we were able to, to really capitalize off of just the, the growth that was starting in Atlanta at that time. Mm-hmm. In your intro, I mentioned like you seemingly having such an intentional career, you know, going to school in Atlanta, going through the internships and experiences that you went to went through. Uh, do you feel like that was the case? Like your your career path has been extremely intentional? Well, it's so, I mean, and thank you for saying that. It has not been <laughs> at all. I mean, I <laughs> now you can look back and, you know, read the bio and it's like, oh, that makes sense. No. And if you ask right? my family, they're, they're, they will tell you, what is this? What, where did we go wrong? <laughs> like, what is happening to our child? When I told my parents, I was like, you know, I'm not going to go this traditional path. You know, I turned down an offer to work for a, a big media company to then, you know, give up everything. I was, you know, working in New York, working overnights from midnight to 9 a.m. So that's the stuff people don't tell you that you have to do mm-hmm. when you're first starting out, or at least you did back then. And when I told them I'm selling out everything I have, all my possessions, going to LA on a hope and a prayer, and I have one contact, they're like, where did we go wrong? <laughs> and then when I told them, oh, I got a job, but I'm making $300 a week, no benefits, <laughs> no health insurance, no 401k. They were just like, I, like my mom and I, I mean, she won't admit it, but I, we probably didn't speak for a good six months oh, when, yeah. when I made that decision. So to, to get back to your question, it has not been, it's just, honestly, it's been, I'm going to try this because the way I've measured my choices, my career choices, and even my other life choices is if I don't take this opportunity, am I going to regret it later? Am I going to fast forward, you know, 40, 50 years from now and be like, what if? And I don't, I want to limit the what ifs, right? So yeah, I could go the safe route. I could go get the typical nine to five, or I can go ahead and just take a leap of faith knowing that, you know, worst case scenario, I go back to that more traditional path. And so Having that mindset, I mean, even in the new role that I'm in now, it was scary to leave like this position where I had been established. I had proven myself and I literally jumped off a cliff. <laughs> so, yeah, but, you know, yeah. it has it has served me well, thankfully, thus far. You know, I like that you talked about like taking that leap and taking that leap of faith, especially so young and, and saying, hey, Ma, I'm going to go to L.A., I took this job that pays $300 a week, no bennies. And I mean, you've flourished since you've been in LA. I imagine though, there's been a lot of like bumps along that road, but like, I feel like the Gen Zers and the younger millennials of this age currently don't understand like taking that risk Mm -hmm. and it could pay off long-term. Right. Would you say that? Absolutely. Because I, I feel like I've been in similar instances where like I've just taken a job or opportunity 
just because I know what it could do, how it can impact my career long term mm-hmm. and just the opportunity it presents to be in the room and be in the space. And, and that will open up additional opportunities. So like mm-hmm. when you were in L.A., when you took when you first landed down in L.A. with that three hundred dollar week mm-hmm. job with no benefits, like what happened? Like you had one contact out there. Yeah. Like Where did you go live, Shelby? Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Again, thank goodness I'm, I'm a naive little Southern girl. I was living <laughs> in the heart of Hollywood. And baby, oh, I didn't even realize where I was living <laughs> until, I mean, there was a lot going on in that building. Let's just say that. <laughs> and I'm so clueless still, you know, at that point in my early 20s, I don't fully understand what else going on around me and that I should probably be a little bit more cautious. But I was living in Hollywood, not knowing any better because I'm like, oh my gosh, a Southern girl, I'm in Hollywood. I I am living my dream, you know? But And I was so excited to go make that $300 a week. And I think that's part of what sustained me is that even though there were hard times, you know, monetarily, clearly I was not, you know, doing as well as my peers who had gone on down more traditional paths or what have you. But because I was having these like eye-opening experiences and things that I had only like dreamed of or never even thought I could even be a part of, I was just so happy to be in these spaces and to be a part of what I thought was was completely out of reach for me. And so that's what mm-hmm. really pushed me into your point. I think you know, we try not to preach to, you know, say Gen Zers or younger millennials or yeah. generations or even like with my kids, right? But honestly, it's like when you start and you go with the passion, your career will grow exponentially. So it's like, it's not like my salary, just maybe it doubled, right? The first time, then it like quadrupled. Then, you know, so it's like, and even like the opportunity because I was gathering all of those skills, all those contacts, all those resources, I end up, you know, jumping over a couple of steps that somebody who went, say, a more traditional path and they were feeling very stuck, I was able to get there more quickly and really get that momentum behind my career because I was looking more at the opportunity versus what looks good on paper. Oh, I love that. See, that's the part. I feel like that's the part a lot of, and like you said, not trying to preach to Gen Zers or the younger millennials, but I feel like that's the part that a lot of them miss. Mm-hmm. Um, the money will come, right? The blessings will come. Like you just have to take that first step of faith. And um, especially if it's something that you're extremely passionate about, like your family may look at you crazy. Your friends may look at you crazy. Look at you. You say you, you and your mom probably didn't speak for at mm-hmm. least six months, but you have to take that first step. It's especially if this is something you really, really want to do. And so with that in mind, like what advice would you give for someone trying to follow that your same career path? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say, and I feel like now, and thankfully so, that there are so many other opportunities, right? I think the thing that I didn't understand and I probably would do differently is get your side hustle on. Like that was not really something that we talked about. I don't even know. I mean, I'm sure the term was out there, but I think that, you know, you can look at what it is you think you want to do. Because like I said, this was not like I couldn't have told you 20 years ago that I'd be sitting in the role that I'm in now. Honestly, it didn't even exist. And that was mm-hmm. part of that's what's been so beautiful about my journey. When, and I know we'll get to just like uh, my career path and partnerships. Partnerships weren't even a thing. 
<laughs> like it's yeah. so that's what I would tell people. You don't know where life's going to take you because it may not even be a space for it just yet. I mean, at that time there was no Instagram, there's no Facebook. Like these, I remember creating my Facebook profile when I was working that three hundred dollar a week job. You know. No, so I remember the Netflix DVDs in the mail, Amazon, the book, like, you know, <laughs> these companies that now are, you know, these tech giants or entertainment uh, leaders, like they, they didn't even exist. So what I would say is just follow your passion. And then while you're following your passion, get your side hustle and look at what your passion is and what are the multiple revenue streams you can create around that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I would also say, focus on ownership. So it's like, as you're pursuing that whatever job, what can you do in that space that you actually own, that you own the IP for, or what sort of product or service can you offer to others within that space? Mm, I love that. Let's talk a little bit about your the current work or the work you've been doing for like the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of brand partnerships nowadays. So like talk to me a little bit about how a brand partnership and also branded content opportunities are actually developed. Yeah, sure. And I mean it's what I love about it is it's an evolving space and why I think it has worked well for me to transition into branded content and brand partnerships is because I have that production background and it mm-hmm. allows you to be very creative, but then you also lean into your your business skills as well, right? So brand partnerships, it, it, they really evolve. Branded content really started, um, a lot of us credit like American Idol and like the, the Coca-Cola cup would be on the judge's table, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. at first it was just kind of like product placement, very, you know, not really nuanced, not really creative, it, you know, it was just kind of like there, out there, you know, as and, and so it, it has evolved and it continues to evolve. Like everyone, what I love about brand partnerships is that you're always trying to take it to the next level. Like how can we create branded content or partnership that feels truly organic, because also you're dealing with audiences and consumers now, people are way more savvy when it comes to just knowing that you're trying to sell them something. And I think brands are now at a place where they really want to have a meaningful impact in your life. Like it's not just, hey, buy this. It's our brand is adding value to your life. So when it comes to creating a a successful campaign, you want to really lean into how do we have this brand show up in a way that is really impactful and, and really adds value and has deep meaning for the end consumer? Um, and so there's various mm-hmm. ways to do that, whether you're working in a content space, you know, whether that's on across digital platforms or traditional broadcast platforms, or even like what the work that I'm doing now, which is more like live activation in sports and entertainment. Got it. And so what has been your role in helping to develop some of these like brand partnerships that we've seen across like our TV screens in our homes? Sure. So when I first transitioned into brand partnerships and branded content, because I was coming from the producer standpoint, I always had like that love of business. And so when I was working on, you know, talk shows or award shows um, and say they had a brand partner, 
I would either express interest or they would say, hey, Shelby, I think we should have Shelby come up with ideas for this because business for me, it's marrying the best of both worlds. I get to be creative, Mm -hmm. but I also get to use my put on my little business hat. (laughs) And so I started being like the go to producer when there was a brand partnership. Like, how do we do this in a way that's, you know, that's fun, that's new, that's fresh, that's engaging. And so from there, it transitioned. Once again, I never (laughs) saw myself in like a sales capacity. So it transitioned from me being the person who's like ideating and uh, coming up with the execution to actually starting to be the person to lead the original conversations, uh, whether that's approaching brands or, you know, cold calling on brands about working with a certain, at, at that time, television show. And so I became the person who was actually leading the charge to sell or negotiate and bring these branded opportunities to the table. So now today I've fully transitioned to the sales part of it, where I'm the person leading or or originating those conversations and bringing, connecting brands with, you know, whatever entity, like in my current role, it, you know, it's specifically working with a sports and entertainment venue. How can we bring in brands and partner in a meaningful way? So I'm the person Mm -hmm. who is structuring those deals, negotiating those deals, you know, really going through the contracting phase of those deals, but also helping to ideate along the way. So I still get to look at it through a creative lens to some extent. So again, never would have thought I would see myself um, making this progression and this evolution, but I, I really, I love where I am today. Love it. And for those who don't know, like just give us like a range of what a potential brand partnership cost because it's some coins, sure. y'all. <laughs> it is some coins. And, and you know, brand partnerships are considered marketing dollars for so most mm-hmm. brands, it's within their marketing budgets, right? So it's like, yeah, I could go a, a brand could go and do say a more like localized campaign. But if I make this one big investment on say a television show that reaches millions and millions of households, then, you know, I may want a one-time large investment, but it's, I'm going to keep reaping the benefits and get the ROI on that. But, you know, I'll just say that, you know, let's go all the way down to- trying to beat around the bush, (laughs) y'all. So I'll give a range. I'll give a range. I'm going to keep it, you know, information. So, I mean, say starting at, and you know this, like say the influencer level just on social media, it could be, you know, anywhere from like 5,000 a post on up, like say a single Instagram post, right? If you look, if you look at mm-hmm. your social media feed, you're going to see, you know, your favorite influencer doing some sort of paid partnership. And so that could be, I would say in the 5,000 range, there could be some that are smaller, but I think that's like a good starting point, say for a, a more established brand going all the way up to, and this is public information, like where I work now, we, we have a deal with, I don't, I guess I can say this publicly, SoFi. So I work SoFi Stadium and it, it's, you know, been announced that's a $600 million deal over 20 years. So just to give, wow. yeah. So it can really. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing though. Go Shelby. I mean, I, I was not, that deal was already in place before I joined the team. I wish, but okay. so just to give you okay. an idea of the level of partnerships that I'm working on in my current role. 
But even like TV, right? Mm-hmm. When and I can yeah. speak to this for like some of the clients that we've worked with and helped secure those deals. Mm-hmm. Some of those range from like, and this is only if you have a relationship with folks in those spaces. Mm-hmm. You can get them as low as like a thirty k, but they mm-hmm. can go up to sixty k for that. What would you say like a four minute segment where it's a branded segment? Yeah. So like, there's some dollars that businesses need to allocate and maybe pull from their marketing budgets for those sort of activations, right? So you have the smaller, the smaller ones that are more like influencer focused. Mm -hmm. But then if you want to, if you're always wondering like, how do I get my brand to do like a segment like that on TV, where it's really solely about my brand, Mm -hmm. you may work with the publicist to pitch it, but then the producers nine out of 10 times will loop in the brand partnerships team Mm -hmm. because there's some, they know there might be some dollars attached to that. Absolutely. Right? Yes, a thousand percent. And, you know, we've worked together on on several integrations uh, within television. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to your point, yeah, it can start anywhere from, say, the tens of thousands. And depending on the show, it could go up into seven figures, depending on Oof. on the show, the reach of the show and, yeah. and what the content consists of. Right. So like, say, a simple mm-hmm. product giveaway, you're on the lower end. Right. And there are opportunities. We can talk about this, too. Say if you're not quite sure you want to make that investment, there are trade out opportunities. So value and kind deals. So a lot of times if you're watching, you know, your favorite daytime program and they do a product giveaway, that might be more of a trade out, meaning that the brand provided the product, which is still a cost to the brand in exchange Mm -hmm. for, you know, that love that they were given, that feature on the show. I will say, and you and I have talked about this, I think for brands, if you can make, you know, work your way up to a level to where you can make that investment to do a more like dedicated integration, you will reap the benefits because again, that content is, you can repurpose that content of course, you know, you have to find out what the the parameters are in terms of like leveraging yeah. that content. And that's something you want to go into your deal negotiating, right? Like how much of that IP or that show content can you, can your brand leverage on your own and operated channels? But when you're in on someone's television screen or whatever screen they're using to consume the content and you have, you know, this trusted voice talking about the brand and interacting with, say, the founder of the brand, it's just going to add a lot of value. It's going to increase your brand awareness in a way that I think if you're able to do it or when your business is able to do it, it's it's definitely very impactful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and also, like, if you don't necessarily have the budget to do it, and you're trying to figure out a way to to pull together the dollars to do a big integration like that on a show, mm-hmm. make sure it's it'll be worth it for you. And you're not going to like go bankrupt trying mm-hmm. to pull out this activation, like yes. figure out what opportunities make sense. Because I've also seen a few brands that have done these activations and they really couldn't afford it, but they're just hoping that it'll, mm-hmm. it'll, t- they'll see an ROI immediately. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes time. So just be mindful and really think about these sort of partnerships. And like Shelby said, figure out ways to see what actually works for you, your business and your brand before you figure out a brand integration yeah, with, a, with a show or even like a an influencer. No, that's a, such a great point because I think some brands, it's like, you don't have to, like, I feel like from talking to some and working with a lot of uh, brand founders, it's like, okay, well, I'm in, you know, let's just say 
the beauty space. So I see all my, you know, colleagues, mm-hmm. like I kind of, they're doing it. So I have to do it too. And it's like, yep. no, if that is not where you are and that's not what makes sense for your marketing budget or your business objectives yet, it's okay. Like, don't feel pressure. Like, well, this person was on this show, so I need to get on a show, right? And then I've also seen, to your point, say a brand does it and they're not ready. Their infrastructure, their mm-hmm. website crashes, or they don't have the yeah. product because they're waiting for their supplier to make it. It's like, well, why are you push? Like, it don't, this it's, it's a significant investment. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I will say there are other ways to be creative about it. Say if you have a retail partner or someone else that maybe will help subsidize the cost, that's another avenue or another way to think about it. Instead of just thinking that you need to take on that that cost out of your business, your budget, think of, you know, brainstorm other ways of how you could bring bring a, a partnership to life without having to hit your your bottom line. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you are currently the director of global partnership development for SoFi Stadium in Hollywood Park. Yay. Talk to us a little bit about that role and what a day in the life mm-hmm. would look like. Yes. Yes. So I started this position earlier this year, 2022. And so it's definitely a pivot for me from tele- <laughs> for, as a girl who's been working in television literally for 20 years. Yeah. So in my role, so just a little bit about... SoFi Stadium in Hollywood Park. So it's a 298-acre development in Inglewood, California. Um, Inglewood. Inglewood. So so definitely, if you have not been, the next time you're in LA, please come. We're only two miles from LAX. You have to see it. It's really one of those places that you have to see it to fully experience it. I can't wait till you come, Drina. Look, I already saw a game I'm trying to come to. Let me know. Let me know. I am. Okay. Okay. I can't wait. So, you know, this development, it's privately owned by Mr. Stan Kroenke, who also owns the Los Angeles Rams, who also play at the stadium. So it's literally, and you hear this, but this is not a cliche. There is nowhere else like it in the world. So we have SoFi Stadium, which is, you know, it was a state of the art. It's the largest stadium in the world. So we have two NFL teams that play there, the LA Rams, the current Super Bowl champs, and the Los Angeles Chargers. And so the stadium itself is iconic, but outside of the stadium, we have a whole like so the stadium is about 70 acres of the 298 acres. Outside of that, we have a performance venue, which is the YouTube theater. So this is like a 6,000 seat theater where we've had Jasmine Sullivan perform, her, um, you name it, we have a slew, we have like 65 different events that happen at the YouTube theater each year. And then outside of that, we also have a retail space. We have, we're building a hotel that I can go on and on. It's a very massive project and it touches every aspect of sports and entertainment. So yes, football is a big piece of it, but there we're also, we're doing our first skateboarding event in July. We're doing soccer. So, and then beyond sports, we're looking to touch every aspect of arts and culture. So we actually have the Kinsey collection, which is the largest privately owned collection of African-American art and artifacts currently on display within the stadium. Uh, Something else to come and check out. Um, We have other local artists who have created these beautiful murals that reflect Inglewood life 
around the campus. So to get back to your question, my day is, I, I mean, and that's what's so much fun about my job. I'm literally touching every type of partnership across all of these things that I just mentioned. So as much mm-hmm. as I love television, it got to a point to where it's like, okay, insert brand X and okay, this is how we're going to, how brand X is going to show up on television. Let's be, you know, we were as creative as we can be, but within, you know, the television format, there's only so much that you can do. With this role, I am touching all types of brands, all types of partners, and really the sky's the limit because we have this massive, beautiful, state-of-the-art property and we have so many cool elements and like this like the stadium itself has a, a giant LED screen on the rooftop. So like next time you land at LAX at night, you can look on the side and see the the rooftop lit like lighting up the, the sky. So oh, there's wow. just so many things that we can do and we're welcoming so many cool events. And so I'm really tasked with working with partners across every vertical every part of the property. So no day is like the other. So, you know, I might be in, on in meetings where I'm trying to solve for, you know, just how we improve the the fan experience. Um, like how do we work with the right partners to just make your experience better when you come to a game or a concert or what have you. But I also might be figuring out what is our NFT strategy, right? Like, what does that look like? Where, how are we going to show up in the metaverse? And, mm-hmm. you know, I actually just had that conversation yesterday. So it's just, oh, it's, wow. you know, there, we, we cover a lot of ground and um, we're new. I say we're a startup. I mean, we're doing a lot of massive things, but we're a startup company. So it's very exciting. Okay. Okay. And so the Super Bowl was held this year and you came in the month before the Super Bowl, right? Right. So I joined, I mean, talk about a whirlwind. I joined and was like, I know. okay, yeah. Okay. Yay. We're in the playoffs. Woohoo. You know? Okay. So I get to go, you know, experience what that's like. And it's like, oh, wait, okay, wait, we're, we're going to the, the championship. Oh, wow. Okay. We won. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we, you know, I knew going into it that we were hosting the Super Bowl, but none of us, I mean, it was to our surprise that the Rams were also going to play in the Super Bowl. So it was honestly like once in a lifetime, it was looking back on it, it's all such a blur because it happened so quickly. And we were all, it was all hands on deck just to make sure that it was a su- successful event for everyone involved and who attended. And and it, and it was, but I will tell you, I think all of us collectively, and I'm speaking about like my colleagues, it took us a good six weeks to, <laughs> to feel back to normal because it was just, as you can imagine, it was like award season times 10. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like the halftime performance. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal for LA. It was a huge so like, deal. Yeah. Yeah. I know you were like running around crazy, but like to start a month before the actual right. Super Bowl. Yes. You know, what was that like for you? Especially like that transition, right? Because I remember, I remember you told me you were leaving mm-hmm. and then you were told me you were going here, but then it was just like, oh wow, the Super Bowl's here. 
Yeah. So like, what was that? What was that like yeah, for you? So plus, and you got two kids, right? I have two kids. Plus, keep in mind, I'm new. I, I was new. I'm new to sports. <laughs> so I mean, yes. it was just literally like, okay, I I got the assignment. I understand the assignment. I just got to jump in. It was. It's like one of those things where you just like, I just have to admit what I don't know mm-hmm. and not be afraid to say I don't know it and and ask the questions, even if you feel like you're going to look silly because I just need to get to the answer, right? Or I need to, and it was a lot of like figuring out as you go. I mean, people say that, but it really was like, you know, let me, you know, just throw everything I know out the window and just get after it, uh, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. In terms of my kids, you know, there was a lot of McDonald's. I'm not going to lie. There were a lot of happy meals <laughs> during that time. <laughs> Look, it happens. It happens. It happens. You know, maybe somebody got left at school a little bit, but I will be very transparent in saying that, you know, it takes a village and I have my village. My village may not look like everyone else's or what you think the village mm-hmm. should look like, but I definitely have my team of people to help me. Otherwise, we would all be sitting around just just holding our heads in our hands. So, <laughs> Aww. well, you made it work and you look, you're already thriving there. Thank so. you. And I will admit I did not sleep much. <laughs> Ugh, that's what happens. I mean, I'm, I'm, no one probably did, right? No. It's a huge event and it's exciting. Well, that was the other thing. It's like, you're going off of adrenaline. So it was like, yeah. I, I honestly couldn't sleep nor did I want to. So yeah, but I thrive in that. And I think it, it's so important to know. And as, as you're coming up right along your journey is to know what sort of environment you thrive in. If you don't thrive in that type of environment, is definitely not the place for you, right? And that's okay. Mm-hmm. If I was somebody who was like, okay, I need everything to be planned out. I need to be, you know, I think things need to be calm. I need to know what the tomorrow looks like. Then this would not be the role for me. But like just saying that, that makes me so bored. Like I tried that actually when I was in business school. I did an internship with a film studio, a major film studio here in Hollywood. And when they're like, it's going to take four years for the movie to come out. I was like, oh, no, I'm in the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't going to work for me. (laughs) So I think you have to really know that, you know, as you're making different life decisions as well. Right, right. Exactly. I saw that your other passion is real estate and flipping Mm -hmm. properties. And I heard that your first flip was featured on the DIY Network's First Time Flippers. Like, how did that Mm -hmm. come about? Is it because you were already in the TV space? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, no, great question. And yes, I, I I started falling in love with real estate investing. I think around that time, everybody kind of got interested in, you know, watching all the shows about flipping, right? We're all watching Mm -hmm. Chip and Joanna or um, at that time it was Tarek and um, Christina. Christina. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, why can't we do this? You know, talking to my husband and (laughs) he had already sort of like restored a craftsman before we got married. So we're like, you know, he's pretty handy. So we're like, well, let's just try it. And so we ended up uh, buying a duplex to flip. And so me being, again, combining production and business, I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. How else can we bring money in the door? 
again, going back to multiple revenue streams. So I was like, let me reach out because I knew just from being in the producer world that these networks pay, you know, or they help subsidize mm-hmm. subsidize costs if you're featured on the show. So I just went to work and started researching which show is in production right now and applied to all of them. And DIY First Time Flippers was the one that responded. And because I work in partnerships, I remember we ended up doing, we ended up getting like a a partner for paint. And I was like, yes. And it's so funny because I mean, clearly I'm I'm used to being on the other side of it, right? Like producing that content. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up Mm -hmm. being, I guess you could say the talent for it. And it, and it worked out great. It helped us to really just subsidize the cost of the flip so that we could make more money. Love it. Love it. When you think about, I'm going to wrap up soon, but when you look over your career, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a moment or project that you're most proud of? Yeah, I I mean, there's, it's so, when you look at the totality of it, right? There's so many that's like, I'm proud about this one aspect or that. But I think the things that are mean the most to me is when I look back and I really have impacted someone's life in a, I mean, in a major way. Like, for example, I remember, you know, surprising a breast cancer survivor with a, a new car or, you know, mm. helping to pay off a, a debt that was like just literally soul crushing and keeping someone from being able to reach that next level. When you see that you have created something literally from an idea that you put in a pitch deck to actually someone receiving it and it having life changing implications or just helping them, propelling them to that next level. I remember putting together a partnership for Black dads and surprising them with, you know, cash during the start of the pandemic in 2020. And just the gratitude and emotion, because you know, you know, like, you know what that means Mm -hmm. for someone. Those are the things that mean the most to me. You know, it's not about like the glitz and the glam of it or, you know, going to a red carpet. But when you can really like help someone and really impact their family in a way that's going to give them a leg up to be able to reach that next level or or, uh, achieve goals or just help them in a time of need. That's what really means the most to me. And I'm like, okay, it was worth all the, all the late nights and maybe um, not so nice conversations and interactions <laughs> <laughs> uh, to get just to see that, that, that moment that people have. I love that. Cause I love when like you're passionate about the work, but you also are able to impact the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think in your role and in, in your previous roles, like you've worked with some amazing brands to like bring them to the forefront, but like being able to do things that actually impact people's lives, like you said, like the breast cancer survivor, the debt, the family that was living under this like huge debt is truly life changing. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're doing amazing work, Shelby, across the board. Thank you. And that's really been really important to me too, as I go through my career. I think, you know, being a creator and creating content is great and it's meaningful. Like storytelling is very powerful. But for me, I really wanted to, from a macro level, be able to say, I really can see like, okay, that is something tangible that I was able to add to someone's life, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions but before our last question. 
And these are just really quick. You just tell me the first response that comes to mind. Sure. This supposed to be fun. So let's see. Are you a let's talk on the phone or please don't please text don't call kind of person? Please text don't call. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best career advice you've ever received? I would say think about a job. Your where you want to go two jobs from now, not the next job. When deciding if you're going to say yes or no to a, a job offer. If there's one thing you could tell your younger self not to worry about, what would that be? Having kids. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that because it's scary. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. That's a whole nother podcast. But yes, um, yeah, I would tell her, girl, don't even worry about it. You good. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite TV show, past or present? Oh my gosh. Girlfriends. Okay. Yes. Hands down. I need a reboot. I think I saw something the other day too that they were like... Well, maybe Tracy Ellis Ross was saying something about like this was this is what needed to happen if there were to be a re a reboot or they didn't get to film like their last couple episodes. But it was such a good show. I know, and it just did not. It, that will never sit well with me the way that show ended. So I know I, we I, need a movie. Yeah, we need a movie. We need a whole cultural moment for girlfriends. Yes, and the last one: watch TV or read a book. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I would say watch TV. I love watching TV, but then I also love listening to books, but I'll say watch TV. Okay. What's a show you like you're, you're currently binge watching right now? Oh, well, I just finished Atlanta, but I wouldn't say I binged that. I'm I'm a big reality TV girl. It's just my escape. So Are you? Yes, I am. So, you know, Bravo, not as much anymore, but like Selling yeah. Sunset, I love <gasps> I just got caught up on all the seasons uh-huh, of that. So I'm definitely team Chris. I'm, in, I'm into it. Yes. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And here's my last question, Shelby, for you. What is next? Anything you mm-hmm. want to share about upcoming projects you're working on? Mm-hmm. Anything new and amazing coming down the pipeline for SoFi Stadium, Hollywood Park? Yeah. I mean, for SoFi Stadium, Hollywood Park, we have a lot going on. Again, I encourage everyone, look me up. You can find me. I'm not hard to find on Google or LinkedIn. Come for a tour. I mean, we will have the NFL season kicking off in August pun intended. And then we have tons of shows. We have The Weekend playing Labor Day weekend, Bad Bunny. I mean, we just got a lot going on. You know, I will say it keeps me very, very busy. And we'll be announcing a lot more. We have the uh, College Football Championship, top of next year, WWE, if that's your thing. And we just have like really iconic events coming up. On the personal front, on the real estate front, I uh, actually uh, just closed on a property in my hometown of Nashville, which I'm very excited about, that I'm going to turn into a short-term rental. So just starting the permitting process for that. So, hey, if you're looking for a girls weekend or (laughs) in Nashville, you can hit me up about that too. Okay, come on, Sally Nashville. Look, we're going to get your own show going. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today, Shelby. I truly, truly, truly appreciate it. I know it's super early in LA right now. So I appreciate you hopping it on. Yeah, to share no your story. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, wait. And where can folks find you and follow you on social? Oh, that's, oh, I'm so bad at social. Oh, Trina, you got to help me. Okay, let's see. I, I know you are, but I just oh, want I people to still follow I you. think my Instagram is at Shelby. I am Shelby Renee. I am Shelby Renee. Okay. On Instagram. I, I, 
I'll make sure it's correct in the in the show description because you don't even know if that's the right that handle. Terrible? But I think that's it. I think that's it. I changed it to be like more like uh, just easier to remember. So I think that's I think that's the correct one. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, Shelby. Thank you. Yeah.